hoki mai ki ngā whenua tapu o te ngāhere tawhito ki reira e ohākina te huia mō te āke āke āmine Kia ora rā, tēnā rā koutou nā tangata katoa. Nice to have you along here again for our Huia Come Home podcast. This week's podcast is, I think, it's extraordinary. Uh, it is my privilege to sit down in the kitchen with David and Dale Garrett and talk about the history of what we understand to be the Christian worship scene, if you want to call it that. Believe it or not, but there was once a time where there was no such thing as a guitar, drums or bass or anything electric used inside of a church building. Pre-1967, there was just pump organs, pipe organs, pianos. They were the only instruments used within worship music until this young couple from Auckland, New Zealand decided that they wanted to sing scripture and make sounds according to their the uh, according to the, the the music style that was relevant to their generation so what we understand is the modern worship movement began with this guy with these guys David and Dale Garrett in little old Aotearoa New Zealand now um, this might not sound from the start that this has anything to do with the Maori world tell Maori or indigeneity or anything like that but trust me when we get to the end of this and uh, where these guys are going and what God has spoken to David and Dale even 30 years ago, the place of indigenous people and the place of the need for the church to hear the sound of the indigenous, it's this, this podcast is gold. So in this talk, we get a rundown of the history, what was happening what was it like beforehand? What was it like for them to start to bring a guitar and all this sort of stuff into, into the worship scene, that sort of thing? Um, and then it goes into what they feel God is saying to the body of Christ next when it comes to worship. The podcast goes for an hour, so because of that, I'll shut up here real soon and I won't come in and sign off at the end. So um, kick back, enjoy this. Oh, I will throw this out as well. There's a reason I've called it In the Kitchen with David and Dale Garrett, and that's because we're in their kitchen, and so we're making coffee, spilling coffee. Dale is making toasted sandwiches, so you can hear the toasted, the toasted, uh, the toast press sizzling away in the background at some point. And then, unfortunately, you get to hear me eat uh, and David eat, so we're crunching away in our toasted sandwiches. So the sound in this one is in a kitchen with all the bangs and all the whistles and there is one little bump where I oh, I get a bit too loud so apologies for that when that comes to your ear holes and gives you a little jump. <laughs> so look guys, sit back, enjoy this one and I'd love to hear some feedback so let us know. Get a hold of us through whoyoucomehome.co.nz Make sure you get a copy of the book too. Kia ora. Uh, kia ora folks. Yes. Well, kia ora folks. Here we are in the Garrett's kitchen with David and Dale Garrett here on the North Shore of Auckland. The very north of the North Shore. Kia ora Dale. Hello darling, how are you? Very good. Kia ora David. I'm just trying to push the plunger down on this coffee. Right now Gandalf the White over there. Yes. That's who I called David Garrett. David Gandalf Garrett. He's plunging. Oh, he's plunging the coffee. and He really has plunged it. And uh, there was a... Yes, we've got a manky Kmart plunger. Oh, that was it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's There fine. you go. It's right. better to spend more than $15 on a plunger. Oh, is it? Oh, there you go. Well, that's all coffee. that thing cost that you... Isn't it? That so the reason I started thing. to um, yeah. hit play now, record now, folks, is because this is Garrett's. <laughs> this is, this is a, an audio insight into their life. Because life revolves around the kitchen. It certainly Always. does. Revolves Always. around the kitchen. Yep, it does. So, um, so Dale's making coffee and... And I'm doing toasted. what I'm told occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Between the lot of us, we'll get this show on the road. True. So, True. David and Dale, I want to know, and I want um, a whole bunch of young New Zealanders to know, 
we take for granted now we there is a contemporary christian music scene mm. um how many years do we have to go back before Ooh. there was no such thing and if you could go back to the year and the time where you guys started out on the adv- the adventure of um you know christian worship why you went on that venture and tell us about that time that okay, period, i don't well, even know what year basically it was, it was 1968 1968 yeah uh, what happened was ice um, age we were um we were married in 64 Immediately we went to Needham because I had a job with the Bell Tea Company. The Bell Tea Company. That's right. And then um, three years later we came back I to Auckland. I brought some Bell Tea the other day did you? I thought yeah. about you. Did did. Yes, yeah, I got yeah. some too, but it wasn't quite as good as we used to have in the old days. Anyway, that's by the way. But um, Open it. Oh, yeah, sure. Can. But what, so what happened, we came back to Auckland, um, which was the, the plan when we went down there. And um, immediately, with two more, with two children. almost immediately... We, we were confronted with a whole situation in the spirit going on. Um, different teachers were coming and we got back when Derek Prince was here. And so we went to a meeting that he was leading in Dominion Road. And it was just amazing really because we just heard a few songs, a few little songs that we hadn't heard before. Um, because at that stage the church music was all keyboard stuff uncoordinated like a piano on one side of the room in 67 yeah 60 mm. we're talking about the year of jimmy piano H- and the year of jimmy hendrix uh, yeah, yeah 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 well, anyway, Beatles were so yeah that's right Crown so House, it was there was a lot of changes i think around there in the in the secular scene but what what we began to hear in terms of songs yeah okay thanks well, god seemed to sort of songs, god yeah. seemed to put in our hearts the fact that he wanted songs written and sung that were to him, not just about him or about the sweet by and by, you know, that sort of stuff that seemed to be a lot That was around. the songs, Jay. Right. Yeah. But really, really songs to him. And the one that we heard, which uh, really did oh, something good. to us, was uh, the song of Pauline Michael Mills, American woman, who wrote the song Thou Art Worthy from Revelation. And we just thought, you know, there's a song that's sung in heaven um, she's put a melody to it here, but actually it's a, it's the scripture. It's the sort okay. of thing that we're looking for. Okay. Right, okay. So that was the thing that came into us. But as far as doing recordings were concerned, neither of us are musicians. Uh, we had we, we had <laughs> a few musicians it. that we I knew. Yeah. yeah, we had a few we knew. Awesome. And so, so what we Nothing. did was we thought, look, there's lots of people that can't come to these meetings. Why don't we just do a little album and see that it can get out, you know, out there. So those... Was there any Christian album? No. Oh, there were Christian albums, but nothing of this type. Nothing that that was like church, church, congregational. American Quartet. Yeah, yeah, there was a certain... Right, sort of gospel. Yeah, 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 but still Sweet By and By and Mansion Over the Hilltop. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing So there was no... no. So we did it, it was just sort of done in a very simple way. In fact, we did the album and... In four hours at a studio in Nugent Street of Kyber Pass here in Auckland. Four, four, and how many uh, songs? we put nine songs. Nine songs in four hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. On four tracks. No, well, no, I don't think his was four. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it might have been. No, no, mine not. That was a proper studio, actually, of all things. Oh, okay. Uh, we, got, we, we, uh, we had three musicians with us, two non-Christian, one believer, and two other guys Warren and Margaret Mar- Warren and Jeff Fountain Wynn's sons they sang with us as what, well what, hang on <laughs> Warren and Warren, Jeff Fountain yeah. sang on the first yeah, album yeah they did out yeah. of here yeah they did oh and my goodness so there were four of us that sang I know that and they did sing. these guys yeah. were musicians Tony Hopkins was a drummer that we knew come to God were they, were they Christians he, he was. Yeah, he, he had he a mate who was a piano player. The guys who weren't. Who yeah. was just a. So wait, wait, wait. So the, so the first Christian recorded worship album, like, had non Christians playing. Oh, on. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Here was, a, here was <laughs> yes. the problem, Jay. Everybody. Yes, there, were, there was piano and organ. Okay. And so no one had brought a guitar so or drums organ. or bass into church. No one ever. And so. 
to do that, we had to find someone who could play those, and the Christians were either thought they were demonic or you didn't do it when you worshipped. And so we, the only people we could find weren't, you know, the Christian guy found his band people who were anyway, Christians. Yeah. So wow. I've never worried about that, Jay. Yeah. And we've used we've used a lot of non-Christian musicians yeah. over the years, mm. but I'd like to have. Christians do the singing actually. Mm -hmm. I just yeah. like it that way. It's it's, okay. Yeah, yeah. because why, I sort of feel they it? can, you know, they can, you know, they can do something meaningful. Anyway, so, but because we weren't musicians ourselves, one of the key things for me and probably Dale as well was that um, we never we never saw the music as being predominant. Right. The instrument, I right. mean. We right. didn't see the music as being the key thing. We saw the music as supporting the Word yeah. of God. And so, but having said that, we had to select music because that was the other thing we wanted to do that the non-musicians in the back of the room would sing right? Okay. because they could they could feel where the song was yeah, going, okay. you see. So there had to be simplicity in that. Uh, oh, so, cool, because what, they couldn't see? They couldn't see no, well, or? yeah, see, if, if you're a non-musician... And you'll sing a song, or you've got the words of a song up there, but you're not quite sure because of the complication of the music where where it's going. You probably won't sing because you don't want to sing something that's wrong. So, so in other words, we wrote jingles. Really. So really, right, the songs right, right. that we were looking for. <laughs> you know, and seriously, because we at that stage we after we'd sort of done that, we began to travel. Uh, we travelled in a lot of parts of the world, and when we travelled two things we would do. We would sing the songs that, that we had written, others had written here, but we wouldn't just sing them, we'd teach them. Okay. You see, that's okay. the whole thing. Right, right. If you don't try to equip song, the people. We wanted to put something into them that we felt was a value for the Holy Spirit to so, use. So, hang on, so you started, if you recorded in 67, did you start traveling straight away? No, not, not quite. No, we recorded in 68 was our first one. We did two... We did two children's albums oh, before seventy, just because I was going and then to we, teach the kids. Some yeah, stuff. and then oh, we wow. did. And yeah. Dale wrote most of the songs for the children, I think, didn't you? Yeah, know? I did. Tony might. This was in New Zealand. You recorded yeah, those recorded ones in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stebbings, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stebbing. Stebbings. You'll see Stebbing yeah. in seventy-two. Yeah, we did yeah. our album Prepare the Way. That was our biggest album. Okay. But before that, we recorded at least one album, Stebbings Home. In oh, really? Bay. Yeah, mm. yeah, he, yeah. Oh, so, wow. so that's just, you know, I think he's gone now. So, yeah, how, how, like, at, like if at, at that time, how was, you know, by the church in New Zealand, how was the thought of recorded music and drums and guitars and bass? How was that received never, by the church? It was the never really Not done. Good. I'll tell you why it was received, though, and this is really quite a key thing to me. God was actually doing something supernaturally unique around the world right then that right. I've never it seen since. Charismatic move, yes. Right. And then in America they called it Jesus move. But it was like the Holy Spirit was actually revealing himself in new ways. And the new ways to the church were the, the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the new right, thing. Okay. So a lot of people in all sorts of churches found themselves being impressed by God that there was something more. And the music that we did and recorded went along with it. That's just the way it was. It sort of we it there was a synergy between the simple stuff we were doing, which was scripture and what the Holy yeah, Spirit okay. was saying. Yeah, so okay. that's really that. And so like today I get it what what the email today I get from um, oh, I don't know. We get them from all, all over the, the world. Yeah. You know, a guy wrote and said, look, I'm now in my 70s. I remember your stuff. You came and visited us in Ohio. It was Ohio, wow. actually. I couldn't even remember going there. But I mean, you know, in other words, it went we, everywhere. the songs that we did were actually done for memorization. Yeah, okay. That's why okay. we did it, you right. see. Okay. Because we wanted to get the word of God into people. Yeah, okay. And it worked. Yeah, it okay. actually worked. Yeah, I mean, okay. I could tell you stories about that, but it did work in such a way that we still get reports of people yeah, that, okay. you know, 
Right. Yeah. So, so if you so you do one album, kids album, two kids album, two, prepare yeah. the way. And then the first and, actual and LP we did was in 1970. 1970. 1970. Yeah. The others were these little. Was there anyone else? Were, were other albums around the world coming out at the, t- um, at the same time? Were there other artists in the States? Maranatha started, started, Ma- Maranatha started uh, two or three years later. After, yeah. Integrity was over ten years later. Vine- uh, Vineyard was after Maranatha because John Wimber, uh, we met John Wimber through um, okay. Maranatha. Mm-hmm. Kingsway in England, they would have been in the 70s as well, really? but they were all after us. And who was, who? like, who were the Maranatha People well, leading them out in the seventies and the well, you see, the, Chuck, the, Gerard, Chuck Gerard, Gerard, gotcha, right. gotcha, yeah, gotcha. and gotcha. Tommy Coombs, yeah. and those sort of guys. Yeah. They they did it. They they had a group called Love Song. They did their, but it, it was a different sort of thing. It was really testimonies of what God yeah, has okay. done during yeah, that right, time. Right. They, they'd come out of the drug scene. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. And right. they got saved and couldn't believe. But the the other thing, the other thing that I've realized, well, those those people that were at Maranatha, the Maranatha grabbed them. But the other thing I realized that it was part of God's strategy that we would not be musicians. Huh. It was because we didn't ever see the music as being the key thing, right. except as a very important support, because we saw music undergirding the Word of God was so much more powerful than just spoken, the spoken word, you right. see. In terms of durability. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, anyway. So, uh, how, what was the, can you sort of describe the, the in-house, so the Christian church in the late 60s going into the early 70s, and it transitions from a piano and an organ. Yeah. And, mm. like, what, like, what were the politics, I guess, is one way to say it, around allowing drums, guitar and bass to come into I, a lot of, the church service. Yeah, a lot of church leaders. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because, you know, I'm asking the question from, yeah. I can't believe that was even the thought, but of course yeah. it was. A lot of, a lot of church leaders yeah. found potentially a church split between people that were illumined, I could say, or were touched by the Holy Spirit, and therefore they wanted to sing the worship, stuff we worship, were doing, worship, and then yeah. the usual thing. And so a lot of churches actually put on services for the charismatic and services for their own. They, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they thought, you know, yeah, yeah. if you can't beat a them, night, join them. A night service for the young people. <laughs> that's and right. And so we were around all over the place Actually, maybe because maybe we were yeah, worshipping and people wanted to worship. You know, yeah, they right. did. Right. But um, yeah, I remember when we first did, the first album we did, the booksellers said, you'll never sell that, you know, mm. I mean, that's not possible. And we didn't. Uh, we dribs and drags we sold out of the garage. <laughs> that was the thing, you know. Right, we just yeah. bought them and packed them and sold them where we could. But then we went to a full gospel businessman's meeting and led worship. And there were hundreds of people there. It was at the Hilton Ballroom in town. And the next day, the bookseller started calling up saying, where are these albums? Because everybody really? was there. You know, <laughs> so it went from you won't sell any to can I please have a hundred. Wow. You know, so yeah, wow. yeah, like the yeah. bookshop, I don't know what oh. they call it these days, the top of Queen Street by the Baptist Tabernacle, yep. yes. they would buy our LPs in, in boxes, you know, boxes of 50. Yeah, it was really it was really strange. Has that bookshop been there that long? Yeah. The one oh, yeah. In, yeah, above Unity Hall. It was Hall. called the Sunday BTI. It's New Zealand Sunday School building, yeah, yeah. 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 No, 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 oh, no, no, further up. Right at the top, by the Baptist Tabernacle, just below the Baptist Tabernacle. Same I don't know whether it's still there. No, I don't think there was. No, no maybe not. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but um, so it really was phenomenal. But it wasn't, we never did any marketing. <laughs> but so I had a sister who lived in Australia and she said, could you send a few over to us? And they started to go like mad in Australia they as well. absolutely took off. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What year was that? This would be the early 70s. Early 70s. Very early 70s. Yeah. Probably 71, 70 and 71 and that sort of time. Because the, the, the one we did with Stebbing in 72, which was a double album, um, was platinum. Double we album. Sold, we sold, yeah, we probably oh, sold, <laughs> we might have sold 100,000 here in New Zealand. What? I'm not sure. That was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is very big if you're talking about That's some of the, you know, yeah, some know. of the other people that were But it wasn't just that, the yeah. books, I, I've seen our books everywhere. 
It's so like every, every church the, in New Zealand. Now, now folks, country. what we're talking about is the, the red book, the blue book, and yeah. the yellow book. Yeah, right? we are, but songs of, so wait, songs of praise, songs of, don't tell me, songs of praise, songs of the kingdom, songs yeah. of the nation. That's yeah. it. You've got yeah. it. Boom. Yeah. See? Done. That's but it. before we did those three music books, we did words only, because at that stage, people were reading words here. They right. didn't have a screen. And we actually ordered those 50,000 at a time, those yeah. word books. People couldn't get enough of them. Yeah, it was really 50, quite amazing. 50,000? At a time. At a yeah, time. every at his yeah. print run. Wow, I, well, I'm, well, I'm just debating doing a print run of 2,000. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm Yeah. So <laughs> times have changed. So what... Um, it was a part of the move of God. Yeah. We can take absolutely no glory, no credit, no nothing. No, we didn't. Because no. we were the one talent people, Jay. You know, if you look at that story that Jesus told, we were truly the people that had the one talent, but just enough courage, you know, yeah. to do it, and then take all the flack that went with it, you know, and in doing that, God multiplied the talent, but not necessarily to us. He brought other people around right. us who could play and right. sing, you know. Oh, yeah. But we not only that, but then other yeah. companies, like the Americans and English they and Australians, they eventually did much more than we did. Right. See. Yeah. Right. But it was like a seed, really, and I think for a lot of them, it was a seed. I remember when Darlene Check called me and, and asked me to come to that conference over there because she recognised what we had done that had sown something into right. Hillsong and then right. the others like that. So, right. wow. you know, it's sort yeah. of it's, it's an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's. So really, what Dale says is right. It's not just false humility. We we no. didn't really. All we did was respond to what we saw as a need at the time, and it seems that God gave us just a few ideas. He wanted the stage not to be predominant. He wanted us to lead the people to Him. He wanted right. us to do songs God that were memorable. God actually said that to us: "Lead yeah. the people to Me." Yeah. And we knew that if we could look at the back of the room, because the front people always worship. Right. But if you can get the ones at the back yeah. to right. raise their hands and worship God, you are a worship leader. You right. know. Yeah. So that was always our goal: go for the back of the room. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It was fascinating, but it's I I've never seen it repeated though. That right. whole scenario, right. I've never seen it repeated. Wow. No, there's a lot of observers. So what happened? Um, so what was the transition from you guys going from being down here in little old New Zealand, getting an idea to create some stuff, hmm. and then compelling you out, I guess, to the globe? You know? Yeah, because and, and, the yeah, teachers were coming down. The Bible. Yeah, oh, we got. Oh, Mumford, right. Derek Prince, Charles right. Simpson, all of these guys were coming yeah. down, and they'd never we got heard anything to, like we, it. We, so we got to know them all. Dale, Dale was just handed me a beautiful uh, pastrami ah. and cheese yes, sandwich. I cannot believe it. Why not? So that was the sizzling in the background. <laughs> you, you have, have, to, can, oh, you you have, have to eat yeah. when you're here. No other way around. No, so, okay, yeah. so it was the it's, it was the connecting with international speakers. Yes. yes, and they then asked uh, us to go to these huge conferences overseas and Jesus festivals and all that kind of stuff. So we were all over the place But actually, all the in time. New Zealand, mm. one of the things that really um, was a very key thing to us is in about 76, I think it was, uh, there were there were conferences going on in Tauranga and in um, and in Palmerston North. Mm. Both of them were in race race tracks, race courses. Um, both in both stages, they built stages in front of the whatever you call them, where the people oh, the sit. Grandstand. And watch. Yeah, the yeah, grandstand. The grandstand. Yeah. And so there were two to three thousand people at them. And in both cases, we were asked if we would lead the worship. You see, and it's one of those things, Jay. That <clears throat> It's really strange because a few years before we'd done the studio album with in Stebbings with the 24 track machine uh, with Bruce McGrail doing orchestra writing all the orchestra parts. He's brilliant. It at was orchestration. it was fantastic really, and it sold very well. The things that we did in Palmerston, particularly in Palmerston, were done on a four track machine. We were on the stage with piano, drums, whatever else, and then there's the thousands of people out there. So you can imagine a four-track machine picking up much of that. And so it was very... With birds cheeping in the background. It was very, very amateurish in many ways. But here's the interesting oh, thing. It. You know, we finished it... I, um, um, we were 
to, to edit in those days you actually literally cut the tape and so I was with what's his hey, name darling part up Ray Wakelin. Uh, Ray Wakelin yeah with him and we, we were listening to this thing and we were cutting out bits and pieces and sticking them here and there it was so crazy and when we'd finished I really I, I can still remember um, saying to God look you know this really is you know pretty Very average to say the least least because of the way it was done it was right. and I felt God say if you release it it'll be a seed and we will I will um, multiply, really. multiply it. Okay. and it went phenomenally especially right. in England um, I, the figure in my mind is 90,000 in England alone. It was top for six months in England on the gospel yeah. charts. Yeah. Yeah. What, the album? Yeah, yeah the, the album. Jesus. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Which Praise we weren't going to release because of all the noise in yeah. the background. You know, and Pra Praise the name of Jesus. Yeah. He's my rock. He's yeah. my fortress. Yeah. 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 So, uh, who wrote that song? Roy, Roy Hicks, Hicks yeah. Jr. Wonderful man. He died in, he died in a plane crash. His own plane, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, just eat. That's what you have to do around here. So really, uh, what, it, what it showed us is that if God is in something, then it, it, he does it. You know, he does it the right. way he wants to do it. Right. Um, and we can strive and try for, you know, for excellence or whatever it is. And that doesn't mean he doesn't use that. But I think the main thing, I suppose, that we were feeling was... We want to make sure that what we're doing has the hand of God on it, you know. And having even said that, I don't really believe all of the albums we did, I, I could say they really were like that. I think we got right. to a stage to some extent where we were just putting them out. Which is how many albums? 30, we did over 30. 30, 30 <laughs> we did over, over 30 between and traveling all the time 80, 68 kids, yeah. and 95. <clears throat> Yeah. Wow. So but, the kids grew up on the road, you know. Yeah. You know. So the the but wow. the the it was a quite an amazing experience, really, and taught us a number of things about what it is to trust God. And I think that was really, yeah, that was really a key. Wow. Yeah. Was there a um? Thank you, sweetheart. Sorry, guys. For the rest of this interview, <laughs> we're going to be talking with our mouths full. <laughs> Cheese and pastrami toasties and shortbread and chocolate chip cookies. So to do with hospitality. So just um, just deal with it, okay? Deal with it. Deal with it. Or come over there, and try it. What would you say was the um, from? Let's just say from the honeymoon, the creation, the newness, the creating albums, drums, guitar, you know, all the stuff. And and this, I guess, a comp compulsion compelling out into the into the globe from little old New Zealand. What would you say was, how long did it take to hit a, what you might call a, a massive bump in the road? You know, or where did things go? Well, hang on a sec here. Um, uh, does that make sense? But was, was there a... I'll tell you what. Was there a bump in the road? There was you know, a time, I, I can't remember the, the date, but we started to sell a lot of stuff in Australia. With, and with John Most, and they they just sold he phenomenally. Marketer, yeah. But after, probably it was about the early 80s, and a lot of other groups were coming on doing their own thing. It was different, but it was the same market, if you could put it that way. Right. And I can remember saying to the manager over there, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Because I, I, the idea of being in a competitive business, um, being really... A pioneer at heart the idea of just doing something that everyone else is doing never appealed to me actually yeah. and so there was a time well it really came earlier than the, the early 80s because integrity music began in about 80 well they knew they began about 85 and by that stage they were churning out an album every two months and it was a real well-oiled machine. They were looking for songs. Every they, two months? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they Whoa. put out an album every two months. And they had their own way of doing it. It was All the songs were, were, were graded and they, they used a worship. Anyway, they did, they did really well at that stage. And we, by that time, the numbers, the numbers no, weren't... Um, food, no? 
Oh, no, I'm eating this. Oh, 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 no, you're all right. No, don't. Gluten-free. Oh, um, I thought also, she keeps um, bringing out food. Also, I'm now pooey, so I have to have some fish <laughs> But having said that, the books, the, the books we, we put out in around about the first one, I think it's 75, then 80, and about 85, the three books you mentioned before, mm -hmm. they continued to go for a long, long time, right. actually, because... And one of the reasons they went well, well the white man won't have any. was simply because we didn't try to just use our own songs. We, in fact, people sent us songs from all around the world. Right. And we so much so we, we unlisted our phone number because they always had the song they thought we needed. No, but <laughs> no, but what what it was was we began to realise that that a particular sound is not a universal sound at all, and sounds and songs that the Catholic and Anglican people might like were not were different than ours and so right. we would gather as much as we could and I think that helped <clears throat> in terms of the sales of them as well because people realized they weren't just getting one flavor they were right, actually okay. and even though they like 200 songs in a book okay even though uh, some of the songs didn't appeal to them there were enough that did that um, made them want to get it I guess. So, Am I hearing you right in saying it was almost like, like say, 12 years after from the start phase, hmm. it, uh, you realised it, it all of a sudden there's a competitive market hmm. happening from, from they nothing They told us that they copied us, years. yeah. They liked the fact that David talked and encouraged the people to worship and gave scriptures and did all sorts of stuff because he never just stood up there and did it. He always talked to the people mm -hmm. and said, this is what we're going to do, this is why you're going to do it. So the guy, um, the head of Integrity, whose name was Mike, Mike Coleman, lovely man, um, said, we are unashamedly copying you because you've got the formula. Right. And so he and Don Moen started, was writing. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of people, they all, they did that, yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Wow, that's, that's actually really yeah, good. Yeah, it was interesting, it? yeah. Can I tell you one thing, though? <clears throat> that when I've looked oh, back so. on the songs, <laughs> no, no, what I want to say, I, the reason I want to say this, I, I, because I still feel this passionately, right. that God <clears throat> is interested in his people sending out truth. Um, and music, of course, is such a key way of being able to do that. Well, you mean I, speaking out truth, yeah. Well, yeah, that's right, mm, declaring yeah. truth. Mm. Corporately, the right. corporate mm. sound is, is so important. It's got its I think. Own power. Yeah. Anyway, in about 1990, 89, we did a tour around New Zealand, and everywhere we went, we sang a song that Raymond Pink had written called "Jesus Christ is Lord of This Nation." Mm -hmm. yeah, but what we, you know, the song. Yeah. What what we did was instead of putting in "of This Nation," we we nominated. The place that we are at, Jesus Christ is Lord of the Hawke's Bay, of Canterbury, of Wellington, whatever it was. Well, it's so interesting because at the end of that tour, um, Norman Tafio, who was really my Maori mentor, he said to me, you know, everywhere we went, when we put those words in, we stirred the spirits in that place. Well, we got a really uh, vivid shock on that one because the day after we got back, Raymond was... Um, a, a doctor in Wellsford, somewhere up there, and he collapsed and went unconscious. They brought him down to Auckland. He was 10 days in hospital, and we just prayed night and day for him. But there was no, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him at all. And after 10 days, he got out and nothing happened. It was like, and we began to see, hey, this is actually, this has done something in the spirit, and we've seen a reaction to it, that we we hadn't really seen before you know it was like as if we understood a little bit about <clears throat> the battle in the spirit but we saw it you wow. know there. and then the other so that was a song that that and and i'm saying this because i really feel there are songs still that really honor god strongly that need to be in the mouths of people these days i really feel there is anyway it happened the other time it happened was in 81 we were asked to go to um <clears throat> To youth with a mission in Kona, they were in danger of losing the base to the bank and all sorts of 1981, things. Nineteen eighty one, right. Eighty one. Mm -hmm. And um and and um God had said to them, You need to spend three days in worshipping me. Something like that. And so they asked us to come in and lead three days. Well we 
we, for some reason, we decided to record the time. So we we did. We recorded. Did that, yeah. But three days before, Dale woke up and she had parts of Psalm 68 in her mind. And so she wrote a song to that with men's and women's parts. By the time we got up on stage to do it, we didn't even really know the song ourselves. We were just oh, singing your power. Summon your power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see, that song as well taught us about spiritual warfare, which is calling on God to act on behalf of his people. But there's a synergy, or the, that's not the right word, there's a relationship thing there between God and man when we say, Arise, O God, and speak the word, and all your enemies will scatter. But we're the one that's calling on God to, to, to do it, right. you see. Right. And so, <clears throat> so, again, that just confirmed to me the importance of taking something that God is anointing and put it out there to enable him to act. Well, of course, at the end of those three days, the bank, or another bank, but the bank, bank refinanced yeah. them. Um, they got Makapala given to them from up north. Huge, big property. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. So it, it all happened. It was like as if wow. God really God responded to that time, you know. So, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm just mentioning uh, those how, two things. Sorry, how, how was Makapala given... Uh, like a couple of days after, a week after, or what? Uh, the next day, I think. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was given very, very close once. to it. Yeah. 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 1981. So, yeah. yeah. So it was just, it was, but those two things showed showed us the power of a song that God is saying, I want this song to be sung. You know, it really did. And I don't think that feeling has ever left me, quite frankly. No, right. but it has cost us, I think. You know, well, in the spirit, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, From that time has. on, we engaged in warfare in a way we hadn't before that, right. you know. And so the funny thing was, though, we had um, Rod Wallace, who played piano for us a lot, and he was living in California. But then somebody, I don't know who, contacted two of Elvis Presley's band who had become Christians through reading me Christianity. And they played, oh, wow. uh, yeah, they played drums and bass. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The drum and bass player came yeah. down to they Kona. They were fantastic, to Kona. yeah. <laughs> yeah, right really? there in that pavilion in Kona, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. I can't yeah. believe it. I didn't realise. I so, and well, that was recorded, that one. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that was, that was Some recorded. Some of your power. Yeah, we called yeah. it Call to War. We called the call, album Call to War. Call to War. And we called right, the song, right. actually, we called it Call mm. to War, but people would mm. know it as Summon Your Power. So that was, if that was 1981, now, I know we're getting we're getting on here, but um, and there's lots of, I mean, there's so many avenues I can go right now, and maybe we can do another interview another time about the cost, because I know that's another whole different story. Mm. But, it um, is a whole different story. Yeah, but how... You know, one of the reasons I wanted to really talk to you guys was not only about the history, but what I know what's burning in your heart now, mm. as far so as go, the yeah. indigenous trap goes. Look, so, 1981, you know, you have this thing that's called war, which funnily enough is the same time you're confronted with the industry, which is yes. kind of an interesting yeah. collision. Yeah, yeah. You know? that's true. Yeah. Yeah. In you fact, know? the Americans really objected to the title Call to War. Right. They didn't yeah. like the title okay. at all. Right. So they, they thought it's too, you know, it's too out there. It's not soft enough or something. I don't right. know. Anyway, but we called it that. But that's interesting. So mm. what, what, yeah, what was we hummed and hard and then decided, yeah, this is really what that, we're talking that, about. Yeah. You know? it, is, right. it is warfare. I'd written another one called The Victory Song as well in a cab in Hong Kong. I just said to David, pass me the God, tape recorder. And so we did everything in a little tiny tape recorder, you know, and I said, quick, give me the tape recorder. And we're going around all these corners in Hong Kong. It was so funny with this crazy taxi driver and me singing the song into the thing, you know. We got to Washington, D.C., and there was a group called TAG uh, that Larry Tomzak and C.J. Mahon Mahoney um, ran. You wouldn't have heard of them, probably nobody has now. But was a fantastic thing, take and give. And so they would go, they'd bring all these young people, hundreds, wow. in for teaching, and then they would go and do the teaching. Wow. So whatever it was on, they would go and do it. You know, okay. if it was if it was to do with um, servanthood, they would go and mow everybody's lawns and do, you know, whatever. So they learnt character issues. It was absolutely wonderful. So that was where we first tried that song out. Yeah, yeah the well, Victory yeah. Song, they yeah, loved they, it. They mm -hmm. asked us to go, and it was funny because 
Now, hang on, darling. Yes, that's right. We've done praise the name of Jesus. And Larry Tomzak, because in, in praise the name of Jesus, like with a lot of these albums, I would make little comments. And he was, what's the word, darling? He was like, Taking my accent and me using the same comic as a sort of a joke. He was your groupie, Jack. Yeah, he was the groupie or something. And so and when we got there, he started talking with the New Zealand accent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And saying, now, come on, everybody. You can do better than this. You know, it's so funny. Mm. I, I, love think it, I, I don't think I ever said that, darling. No. So what happened, what was, the, what was the process of you, God, beginning to speak to you about the indigenous people? Okay, well, that was a very sound. specific time. That happened in 1987. Okay, so this is okay. Yeah. So six years. Yeah. So this is because this is interesting. You're in Kona, Hawaii. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Praying for this property. Mm-hmm. Songs of let's just say songs of warfare mm-hmm. and yes. engaging in spiritual powers comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is the release of that is Makapala, which is a base yeah. that has to do with indigenous, yeah, yeah, like yeah, indigenous ministry, mm, right? Yeah. So I'm going, wow, well, that is interesting. I've never made that connection. That's very Jay. interesting. Yeah. yeah so, uh, and then, and then all of a sudden, six years or six years later, God yeah. then leads. Mm. Yeah. Well, what happened was, uh, I, uh, I used to occasionally take a few young guys up to um, Tyndall's Beach. Um, there was a, friends that had a house up there, and they just let us go there for the weekend. And, and, you know, people like Brent Chambers and Raymond Pink and these guys would come and they'd sing the songs that they were, they were writing and, and, and we just prayed together. It was just a very, very casual time. Well, during one of those times in 87, we went for a walk on the beach. It's still so vivid to me, Jay. We went for a walk and all of a sudden the word culture just came straight into my mind. Culture. And then I heard this. If you're something like this if you're going to be of value to me in the days ahead you're going to have to understand the culture of the maori of your own people own indigenous people so that was the thing 1987 87 yeah so that actually what that did to me was i went back to norman tafi i said norman god's told me i need to understand the culture of your people See, because I never... I, You're I, not Māori, are you? No, yeah. no, not at all. But you see, the, the interesting thing is, I had never seen the, the Māori as any different to myself. I mean, when I was a boy, I had Māori friends, you know, and it was just one of those sort of things. But when I was confronted with needing to understand more about them and what worldview, I suppose you could say, they had, I knew I needed help from that. And so, I, and, and so Norman took me around to Marae, and right at that stage, I felt God say to me, what you need to do is to listen. Because you come from people groups that are used to taking authority. Mm. And at this stage, you need to learn to listen. You need to learn to hear from these people so you can learn something about who they are and something about the way they are. And, and you know, I never learned the language, uh, Jay. And in some respects, I've talked, you know, I've talked to Brad and about it and, and others, and it doesn't seem, I don't know. I mean, it would be good if I did. I'd have to, I have to honestly say that, but I haven't. Long, long time to go of life. Yeah. We're alive forever. Okay. But so basically, but I learned to listen. I learned to understand that even when the first missionaries came here, they came with assumptions that. The Maori were cannibals, they were heathen, they were, you know, they didn't know anything about God for sure. And so they came with what they saw as a complete message without realizing that it wasn't a complete, it was like eating half a banana and putting the rest away without actually taking the whole thing. And so because they didn't come with any sort of idea of, of cooperation, of actually listening, they came with an overbearing thing. And as you know, better than me, Jay, so many Maori came to Jesus because the message of peace so conflicted with them, but they saw the value of it. That, um, but it wasn't long, unfortunately, before they saw behavior from the Pagia that wasn't great. And so the whole thing changed and you know all of that. Yeah. But I suppose for me... I began to see it's not just the Maori, although they are my my indigenous people, but 
at that stage, I started to look at the different people groups of the earth. And as I looked, I realized God has actually been deprived of the wonder and the beauty and the sounds and the sights and the dances and the shouts, both from the people of the land and from the land herself. Mm. And I, I, still, I still feel deeply that God is saying, I'm wanting, I'm wanting this back. Yeah. Um, because the European culture, church-wise, has so kept us, even, even most of our Maori people, have so kept us in a formula that is not actually our own, it, not even New Zealanders. It's a formula from outside, which, you know, from an architectural point of view is so different, but apart from anything else. And so it's been a longing of my heart. Right from that day God spoke to me, I felt... The time's going to come where the church is going to look different, where we're going to see the body of Christ with all the wonder that he's invested in us beginning to be displayed and not displayed through one-man ministries or not displayed through the, the, the Western model, but rather through the people that he's gifted. Right. So even as, you know, since then, even as we've traveled, even as I've traveled, I've tried to draw from people what the Spirit of God's put in them. Um, you know, rather than impose stuff on them, try to listen to what God's saying to them. And so that's a long journey. That's a 30-year journey. Right, wow. He from went now, around all the marais with um, Norman Taufio. He just shut up and listened, you know, for all those long, long years. Just kept going around and around the place, yeah. Wow. yeah but then we Norman was amazing. Like in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, but then, yeah. you see, we, we did our 25th anniversary of Scripture and Song in 93. But I want, rather than it be a, a celebration of what we'd done in the past, I wanted it to be a looking forward thing. So I would go around all the churches in the city, uh, you know, like in the Indian churches, the Jewish right. groups, anyone that, the Samoan, anyone that wasn't, um, you know, English wasn't their first language, right. but they were worshipping. And I asked them to come and give their things to God. Were you there, Jay? It was the most amazing story. It was amazing. We did it at the ASB State. 1993. Yeah. No, that was my last year of high school in yeah, Westport. it was called Oct yeah. Oct 1, and it was just... It's so amazing to okay, see these this, groups with all their different regalia this, so this was worshiping Oct, God. This was Oct One. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was it. In mm -hmm. 1993. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I wasn't yeah. there. And the no. people came and they honored us. We had a four minute standing ovation, which I've never heard of in New Zealand. Well, certainly not right. us. And it wasn't something we were looking for right. either. We were dying of embarrassment on the stage, I think. But <laughs> anyway, we accepted it gratefully. But then we let loose the indigenous people and. The people who had come said, what happened to scripture and song? It's got sabotage. Where are the songs? But we were trying to introduce a whole new thing, you know. And the wonderful wow. thing, too, was, was that oh, wow. Radio Rima, the guy that was managing Radio Rima at the time, he arranged for that whole four-day conference to be recorded and, yeah, and put good. out in radio the whole, the whole, yeah. oh, really? whole four days. Yeah. It was wonderful. So that... The nation so got that. was for four days. Yes, yes it, was it was. So it was all the spiritual teachers that you know from absolutely everywhere, Lauren Cunningham, Joy Dawson, absolutely everyone that we could lay our hands on came oh, and spoke. Really? was all recorded, and a lot of people came to the Lord, hundreds of people just listening over the radio. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So and is that what Kevin Prosh came down for? Yes, mm -hmm. he did. Mm. Yeah, Kevin, Jeff Bullock, all people from everywhere, Steve Grace, I think, I don't know, everyone, yeah, that you mm. can think of, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So mm. that was important, but to me it was just a, a opening a curtain to look ahead to what God was wanting to do. Was Cindy there? No, no, no. Cindy wasn't around at that stage. John Dawson was sort of the champion of taking it further. Right. He saw something about his own Polynesian heart at right, that stage okay. that he hadn't seen before. Oh, and he said, oh my goodness. Right. And then Kevin, of course, realized that you could use a didgeridoo in church because no one ever had because it was evil, you right. know. And right. so it was like, this was Kevin another... Kevin yeah, yeah, yeah. so this was another step forward from the guitar and the, right. and the bass and right. the drums. Right. This was 
instruments that people had used, you know, supposedly in satanic rituals and all sorts of stuff. And they had so been was the, to so some was extent. The, so was the myth within the mindset of the West. Right? Yes, it was. Oh, and yeah. the electric guitar was a big right. offence. Oh, me yeah. wearing pants was a big offence. In fact, <laughs> me even being up there with David was a big offence. Oh my goodness. You know, this because, yeah, there was never a worship group up on a stage and certainly not a woman, wow. you know. There was Cliff Barrows leading with Billy Graham. You know, there were a few guys around, but there wasn't no a woman. thing like we, oh. we didn't know. We were just ignorant. And David said, come and help me. So I said, okay. So we both got up there in front of the microphone and sang flat and led the people in worship. Yeah. <laughs> Darling, I, uh, didn't, I didn't sing flat. No. No, no you didn't sing. No. Yeah, no, he didn't. I have Sorry. letters to prove that people said I sang flat. So, but well, I just... Look, what the heck, the thing was, God put on our hearts, lead the people to me. And you know the Father seeks those who will worship him. Yeah, yeah. So that's still yeah. what's in our heart. You know, yeah, so, okay. yeah. Yeah. We just did oh, what we could do. Yeah. Wow, well, man, I'd love to go back to that for a podcast on the whole woman thing there. That's oh, really... yeah, no, that was, so, that was interesting. The one guy, the pastor's, the pastor's son, I was walking down the church to lead worship with David. I won't tell you what church or anything else. But he said to me, if you were going to wear those pants, it was a pants suit, jacket and pants, I won't be able to worship God. So you'll have to go home and change if you're going to wear that in the church. Yeah. So we oh, were right wow. at the beginning, you see, wow. of that. But um, I had watched, just watched a, a film of Barbara Streisand wearing this lovely pants suit. So I went out and bought one. <laughs> and uh, whether or not that was the right thing to do, nobody knows. But then I, we got to Kona and the worship leaders there said, the women don't wear don't wear pants when they lead worship, you know. So what I did was I wore pants more um, because I was trying to say, God isn't looking at my pants, you know. He doesn't care. He wants to see what's coming out of my heart. Women naked. No, stop it. <laughs> Don't record that bit. Um, <laughs> we better get rid of no, it. No. Uh, <laughs> all it. I'm saying I is, you know, he was pioneering on a multiple Man, of I know. Yeah. So we've got pioneering, mm. like, instrumentation yep. from yep. guitar, electric mm. instruments, to then now later, mm. you know, indigenous mm. instruments. Yes, yes. To, Great worry, the to, indigenous you instruments. Know, modern, you know, modern music and now mm. women's rights, mm. really. Mm. Yeah. Right? I'm, yeah. I'm like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, man! Got, yeah. Man, what have you guys done with your life? Yeah, yeah, a thing, <laughs> thing or two. Yeah, we didn't get this old for nothing, Jay. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. So, the, as far as the um, as far as the um, indigenous sound goes, um, um, so nineteen eighty seven, Oct One, what? For you, what? How did you come out on the other side of Octa One with a well, to What did you want to see happen? Uh, I wanted to see what I'd asked the people to do. The Cook Islanders said we never play our drums on Sunday, which was, of course, a Western thing that they'd imposed. I said, God, I don't know what I said, but they did it anyway. Wow! You know, because they were they, afraid, though, of the elders. It was, it was, yeah. a, there was but a lot of risks taken at Oxford. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. That's true. Wow. But the next year, I went to um, Alice Springs. Oh, this is a lovely story. Yeah. Well, when I went there, <laughs> I went, I went there. I took a small band, um, not a full drum kit, just some very basic stuff. And Kevin Denham came with that, but. I, great drummer, great drummer. I went there. Didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I, so I went there, and my longing, because of what I'd seen and what God had shown us a few years before, was to see the Aboriginal people just using their instruments, you see. But this was a Christian conference, so they never brought their instruments. Very Pentecostal, too. Oh. Yeah, but you see And they that? walked, right, they trekked right. days to get there. David said some of them, like four days, that, you know. How yeah, but walk. anyway, there were, there were yeah. several hundred of them there. And I had the, the afternoon slot, which, um, and they would come and sit and look at me while I was encouraging them to be what God had called them to be, you see. And they, they had no expression. But then on the Friday, two men came the from the back right of the, the room end. the last day, and they had, the, both of them had a piece of plastic piping, and they began to play this piping. <laughs> Huge risk Seriously. again. Yeah. And... The people lit up, you oh, see. Really? Well, they heard a sound, and they heard it within a context Their sound. that yeah. they'd never heard before, yeah. you see. 
they never understood that it was it was able to be that way so <clears throat> that really little things like that showed me that that I believe God had put me on the right track of trying to encourage this to happen Wow. So I, I saw mean, you had similar things in Fiji too, didn't you? You got the guy to go. Yeah, I did. In Fiji, I was over there with John Dawson, and and they were gr a great Fijian band on the stage. You know, everything Western, of course. And then uh, I, went to, I went to the um, to the drummer. Had this huge, you know, proper kit and everything. I said, "Do you have a lali anywhere?" And he said, "Oh, you know, we may have one. It's a little instrument." Well, actually, they you make know, them the any size, hollowed yeah. out. They, you know, they bang sticks to yeah. make a sound. And he, he said, yeah. I said, look, how about the beginning of the next session? Stick it on your on the frame of your drums and play the lali rather than your drum kit, you see. Well, he he, he was innovative. He took a broom and made two sticks by oh, breaking the broom. Broke the broom, huh? Oh, my goodness. Yes, he did. He didn't he make the brave. sticks. He was brave. We didn't yeah. just use he, drumsticks? No. No, we no, no, didn't. No, he wanted no, a more hollow sound. Yeah, 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 I, think, I don't yeah. know. But anyway... This is the thing you see, he began to play and the room changed. And I could see, it was like the people heard the sound that was theirs. Yeah. And so they responded, but not only did the Fijians respond, but the Indians responded. And I, I could see that God, see I think God does right, play right, sounds, right. specific sounds in, in areas. Yeah. And the enemy has stolen those sounds, you see, and this is part of what he's wanting to do, and is, is doing, yeah. is bringing them back so they can be used to honor him. Yeah, yeah. And that's what happened, it was simple, yeah. just as simple as that. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you see those sort of things happen, and you realize that God's actually confirming you know, what's in your heart, it is exciting, but it's been a long time, <clears throat> and not a lot has happened. I mean, I've been around right. a number right. of parts. Right. I was asked to go to Korea one time, <clears throat> excuse me, by a group who used their traditional instruments uh, in worship, which was most unusual. Well, they'd seen you in because, China, I think, yeah. Yeah, maybe they Encouraging had. Encouraging them. But, but basically, they, um, these guys used all their traditional drums and everything, all their stuff. But, of course, Korea is extremely Western as far as the church is concerned. It's very, very much so. It looks like, yeah, okay. you know, pipe organs, right, okay. um, big pews, you know, man right. up the front with all that sort of stuff. So I I loved it. And so I went there for two weeks to Jeju Island and I just encouraged them, look, God's given you this stuff, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> but the other thing I learned on that particular occasion, because they had musicians, they had rhythm section musicians as well, and I, I began to realize God's not actually throwing one thing out and saying, you just have to use that. Yeah. Because what happened was the guys with the, with the traditional stuff were sitting on the floor. The guys with the bass and drums and electric guitars were on the stage, just a few meters or a meter probably above them. But they worked well together. The guys on the, on the floor basically set like a rhythm. You know, they, they set the tone of the thing. But the other guys picked it up, and I realized that that occasion, look, um, God can use whatever we give him. It's not one or the other. It's no. not, but he's wanting to use it all, you see. Uh. And it was on that occasion also that I saw something from the Asian people, especially those people that are generally, you know, they're... They're quiet and they don't they don't seem to express Subservient, like, yeah. I right. saw I saw dance from those people oh. that I'd never seen in wow. any other They'd never done it before. It was like they they it was like it was like a door was opened and they were able to be themselves. Right. You know. The glory yeah. of God. Yeah. So the treasures you know, the treasures just tumbled out. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And we've that's seen that yeah. so many times. Yeah, yeah, so you know, I mean yeah. that's only a few so things, from, but from your perspective then you know, um, where where are we at as far as New Zealand goes and what's, what's beating in your heart for Aotearoa? I, well, you know, Jay, as you know, we went up to Kaitaia and I was really blessed for that time, which was largely a Maori group. I, I, got a, I got an email out of the blue from a friend of mine that I hadn't heard from for years and she lives up there uh, up and she, he, she and her husband and she said they're pastoring a little church up north, a place I'd never heard of, and um, and God's beginning to stir in them and talk to them. And, and, and I believe that 
that God is actually going to come around again and we're going to get, if we as Pākehā can walk in humility and listen to our brothers and sisters, mm. um, we won't become them because God has made us who mm. we are. He doesn't want us to become someone else. Mm. But if we can walk in humility together, and humility for a lot of them will be moving forward rather than staying in the back mm. and actually being prepared to speak out uh, at the appropriate and the right mm. time and not, and not feel second rate or something. Right. Um, you remember what Norman Tafio said to you? you yeah, were here, yeah. He, 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 died, he died too soon, but he said to me... a broken heart, really. Yeah, he said he to me... He died of a broken heart. I think he did. I think yeah, so, He was yeah. longing to see his people... But see, Norman, like the the Maori people in his vintage that had remained Christian um, had had to give up virtually all of who they were as Maori. And call their children English names and all all sorts of stuff. And he said to me on one occasion, you know, uh, a a young Maori man that becomes a Christian will never remain a Christian for very long because he's he's got to make two very important changes. He's got to change his spiritual allegiance, um, which all of us do. Right. So that. Right. But he says he's got to change his cultural allegiance too. Right. And that so shouldn't. They can't should never have. No. no. Of course not. Yeah. It's imperialism, said, of course. But, but once yes. you do that, right. then you're actually yeah. stripping away the real gift of God you right. put in the people. Yeah. You see mm. too. So. Mm. It's such a dichotomy, though. If you think about the hacker. And you think how every New Zealander becomes Polynesian when they see that, you oh. know. They're proud <laughs> and they love yeah. it and they want yeah. the All Blacks to do that, yeah. you know. And in fact, if they don't even watch the game, they want to watch the haka, yeah. you know. And it's got its own That's voice true. all around the world, actually. Yeah. It's a voice, the haka, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. Yeah. And my, my, my American wife right, saw the South African game on the other day. Yeah. yeah. And saw how the Zulu warriors came yes, out. Yeah, did they? And she said, "Look what New Zealand has done mm. for the mm. world Isn't in a rugby right? match." Exactly. Yeah, no. Someone out. told me that the other day too. Yeah, yeah I, I love it. Yeah, it's oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, Mandela, of course, was a big part of all of that too, yeah. with his forgiving, magnanimous yes. heart. You yes. know. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. But mm. the other thing too, you know, you're wondering where we're going. I'm sure you've seen this, but I see a couple of teams rugby teams mostly white guys in the school you know two yep. school teams yep. standing on the side of the field doing a hucker to each other right yep. it's amazing <laughs> i think <laughs> this is see this is where we're coming to yeah, okay. it's an identity thing yeah. that it's like the fijians listening to the lali yeah. because it's a sound they yeah. know you see this is our, the sound of Altair. it is it is, it is. It is. Yeah. so no, so I, I personally have got real hope because back when I first started to talk about it in the late 80s and so on, very, very few people no. saw it as being of any particular. They just didn't. They thought he what was in mad when we started scripture and song. You know, what the heck are the girls doing now? Now, now with what we're seeing now, beginning to see, I feel I feel really excited. And you, I think you feel that Maori will have a real lead oh yes definitely i do i do i really believe that yeah but it'll come out of mutual humility if i could put it that way because we we all have to if we're going to walk together in unity and that verse that jesus said well that he prayed you know that they may be one as we are one the trinity is the trinity's one that that and i've often looked at that verse thought hmm I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but wish. if Jesus had actually prayed that, well, then it's possible, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's possible. possible. Yes. So I, I do Because if anyone's going to get their prayers answered. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. I, I think that, that I, I feel great hope. Mm-hmm. But not just for New Zealand. I think it's going to, it's going to be much more world spread, widespread. Mm-hmm. But this land is so small, Jay, as you know, that... We can do something here in a small yeah. land yeah. that can actually go out around yeah. the world. And we are risk takers, you know, I think. I mean, we've had, we've had a battle in many other countries to try and get this kind of a message across. I remember when David was at a, I guess it was a Pentecostal conference somewhere in America, mid-America where they said, you know, because some of the uh, Native Americans came out in their regalia. And they were saying, 
they can't wear feathers. You know, that's demonic. I no, mean, that was a that was right. a Native American yeah. conference. Oh, was it? They no? were saying it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, because yeah. they'd been so um, Christianized in that evangelical, you know, right. Pentecostal wow. way that wow. they thought they were doing something demonic in this beautiful regalia. Oh, you know, I mean, it's it, it's broken feathers. our hearts so many yeah. times. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, uh, look, I am. Deeply humbled in listening to this, these stories. Deeply humbled, uh, and I thank you so so much. But um, is there any any final comments from you two? I'll tell you, I've got a final comment. I'm sitting looking at you and the manner on you, Gosh. and no, you listen to me, young man. I'm a 78 year old grandmother. <laughs> God has called you to this nation, and you've been obedient, Jay. You have, and so is your wife. You know, you've you've paid a lot of cost. You know, and I, I, I got my money on you. I really do. I do because we've lot we have lived these seventy eight years and watched so many leaders die. You know, and I want to see you in all your virility as as a man of God, and as a part Maori man become such a leader that it'll blow the socks off us all you know and i can see it happening i can that's why we're having this talk sure. you know i believe in you <laughs> i believe in you thank you Dale. yeah make sure you don't cut that out mate yeah. no, no don't you dare cut that out <laughs> i think oh. we've said enough bro okay. hey maybe you can come and say hello to the beloved jay thank you guys